So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, I'm going to have you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25. I know in this Dive Deep series, primarily we've been in the New Testament. I am going to read some New Testament verses, but we're going to, we're going to look at a narrative. We're going to look at the, a story in 1 Samuel chapter 25 about this issue of kindness. And so I want to talk to you this morning. In fact, is the title of this message is, How Rude. I mean, ever, has someone ever said something to you and you just felt, felt like saying, How rude. I mean, that was like, you, you could not have said anything, I, I don't even know, well, I think I'm going to use improper English. So I want to be careful, because I'm from Texas, and so we always use proper English. Uh, but have you ever wanted to look at someone and say, you know what, that was like the rudest thing you could have ever said to me? And, and, and so I want to talk to you about this issue of kindness, because I'm, I, I, maybe it's my age, or maybe it's something that I'm observing in ministry, but there is, there is nothing that touches the human heart like kindness. Just this issue of kindness. And I want to talk to you this morning out of, out of 1 Samuel chapter 25 about this issue of kindness because the Bible tells us that we as believers, we should be growing in love, but we should also be growing in kindness as well. And so first uh, Ephesians, Paul wrote this, just some New Testament verses about this. Paul wrote, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Listen, let me tell you something. Life is precious, not promised. Life is precious, not promised. If you and I ever believe that life is promised and we're entitled to some things, then life never will be precious. Life is precious, not promised. And so we never know how long we have with people. We never know how long we have with the relationships around us. And life is precious, not promised. And that's why Paul says, and as a result of that, because life is precious, because the people around you are precious, how about this? How about just be kind to one another? And love one another and forgive one another. Uh, Colossians 3.12 says, But own them as God's chosen one, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then the scripture writes, or Simon Peter writes, Second Peter chapter two, verse five, or chapter one, verse five. He said, For this reason, make every effort. And so that, that phrase, make every effort, just simply means learn. Learn how to do this. And, and you know what Simon Peter's going to teach us? That kindness is, is a learned behavior. Kindness, listen, if we're honest, if we're just honest this morning, kindness doesn't come natural to any one of us, right? Because of the flesh, because of a sinful nature. And so kindness, what Simon Peter tells us in the Scripture all over tells us, kindness is something that it is learned. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith and learn to do these things with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you, listen, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in other words, he starts, starts talking about effectiveness in life. In other words, kindness helps you to be more effective. I wonder how many more people we could witness to in the community if we're just kind. How many more people could we touch if we were, if we were just kind to them? For whoever lacks these qualities, listen, is, near, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. In other words, when, when you're unkind, you just forgot of what God has done for you. And so he tells us to make every effort to learn to be kind. In other words, kindness doesn't come natural to any of us, but it's something that we should develop in increasing measure. The, in other words, the, the older we get, the kinder we should become. 
And sometimes it's quite the opposite, right? Sometimes the older we get, the crankier we become, the more judgmental we become, the more sarcastic we become, the more of sour disposition we have. And we live, listen, we live in a society, we live in a culture right now that is, is like taking this rudeness and putting it high up on a platform. Like that's a virtue. Like that's something to be proud of. Like that's something to be praised just because someone can be rude and harsh and mean and mean-spirited and all those other things. And so but when you look at Scripture, as believers, we're to be the opposite. There are people who have gone to church all of their lives, but they're mean-spirited and they have a sour disposition. And they're like just sarcastic and judgmental in speech. There are Christians that know the Bible. They know strong doctrine, but they have never like taken the Scriptures and transferred the Scriptures to a lifestyle or transferred the Scriptures to an attitude. There, there are Christians that have committed large amounts of Scripture to memory, but they have never committed it to their life. I mean, they, they may be sound in doctrine, but they're not sound in doctrine of right relationships and what it means to be kind. And so if we're, if we're honest, kindness is a challenge sometimes, right? I mean, we live in a pressure-packed society, self-centered society. I mean, it, it's hard to be nice to people all the time, right? I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm coming to the place where if you can be nice to people in construction on Pueblo Boulevard, I-25, and Highway 50, right? That's an amazing day. I, I never, 21 years ago when we moved here, I never thought I'd complain about the traffic in Pueblo till now. It's like, what is up? But anyway, we need to move on. One of the areas that kindness is most needed and most neglected sometimes in the home. Paul never said be kind to one another except in the home, except in the workplace, except when you're cutting a deal, when you're signing a contract, when you're making a sale. Paul never said be kind to one another except when you're in conflict because 1 Corinthians 13 tells us love is not rude and even when you're angry, even when you're in conflict. And so I want to I talk to you about this issue of kindness. 1 Samuel 25 is just a narrative. Uh, we're going to walk through this narrative and then for all of you type A folks, it's going to be a while before you get to fill in some blanks in your outline, okay? Because I, I know type A people, I'm one of them, and I can watch you like, when is he going to give us a blank? we got blanks, they need to be filled in, and is he going to get to it? And so, so we're going to get to it. We'll get all your blanks filled in today, okay? We've got three of them, but, but we're going to walk through this narrative together. together. It's a to me, it's a hilarious story, and it's a story of David, Abigail, and a guy by the name of Nabal. Nabal is married to Abigail, and then David uh, has been anointed as king secretly by by Samuel, but it, it's not public yet. So Nabal is this is this is this man that he's wealthy, he's rude, he's harsh, he's mean spirited, he's badly behaved. I mean, people all listen. People all around know of his his rudeness and his harshness. And and so Nabal is married to a woman by the name of Abigail. Abigail is intelligent. She's beautiful. Um, and she has a sweet spirit. I don't know why it is sometimes that some of the rudest, harshest people marry sweet-spirited people. I don't get that. Maybe it's not Abigail's fault. In their day, uh, their marriages were arranged and someone just put them together. But anyway, so, so now you got those two. They're married. And then David, he's not yet king. And David is, uh, has been anointed by Saul, I mean, by Samuel. Saul knows he's going to become a king. And so Saul is like hunting 
David down. I mean, he's hunting David down like a, like a wild animal. Not only that, he has that stress. And then Samuel has passed away, the man that anointed him, uh, a spiritual father, if you will. And so he's uh, passed away. And then, and then David and his men are tired and hungry. And that's not a great combination for kindness, right? Isn't it hard to be kind to people when you're tired and hungry? If we're just honest about that, the fact is I have a pastor friend that's trying to lose some weight, and so, uh, so I called him up and I said, hey, Stu, how's that diet going? And he goes, well, I've only been on the diet a week, and I've already lost four friends. <laughs> and so, isn't that right? I mean, isn't it hard when we're tired and hungry just to, just to be kind? And so, now David and his men had been providing a service for Nabal. Uh, it was common in those days. Uh, Nabal's uh, men, his shepherds, were, were in the fields. And, and so David and his men were fierce warriors. And so they were protecting the shepherds. Uh, they were protecting the sheep from wolves and from bandits and all of those things. And they were providing an excellent service for Nabal. And so as a result of that, Nabal didn't lose any sheep. His shepherds were well taken care of. And so it was custom in those days when you brought the sheep in to have them sheared uh, that you take some of the profit and you pass it on, you pay for that service, you pass it on to the group that had been protecting you. And so David came to that place, and so David sent his men and says, Hey, go, go collect from Nabal. Go collect from Nabal. And Nabal was rude, he was harsh, he was mean-spirited. All he cared about was the bottom line and making money and all those other things. So Nabal says, I'm not paying. And so here's where we pick up the story, verse 10. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat? You, you see the arrogance, right? That I have killed from my shares and give it to men who come from... I don't know where. And David's men go back to David and they tell David that the response is no. He is not paying us. Watch this, verse 12. Remember, David, tired and hungry and stressed. So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all of this. And David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword, and every man man of them strapped on his sword David also strapped on his sword and about 400 men went up after David while 200 remained with the baggage and so this this is how normally we respond when we've been offended when we've been hurt when we've been betrayed is if we're not careful because I'm telling you kindness we got to work at kindness doesn't come natural to any of us we want someone to pay we want we, we want to retaliate we want to we want to get even but, but the scripture would say when we still live in that world where we retaliate, that's just that's immaturity. Spiritual maturity is learning how to be kind. And so David gets taken advantage of. And so what does he want to do? He, he wants to get even. He wants to, he wants to solve it with this, this major conflict. Verse 18. Then Abigail, so remember, Nabal's wife, she's the hero. She's going to be the hero of the story. Then Abigail made haste. And took 200 loaves and two skins of wine, five sheep already prepared with five seas of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and laid them on, the, on, on donkeys. So this is the first evidence of a hospitality ministry right here. She has prepared food for about 400 men. And, and, and don't miss this. 400 men that are coming to kill her husband, her, her, her family, uh, everything. They're going, to solve, they're going to solve the conflict. And she never told her husband she was doing this. You know why? Because she's smart. 
She knew if she told her husband, she had a track record with her husband, right? She knew how her husband would respond. And so she was smart. And so she decided not to tell her husband. Maybe, maybe because she had learned the hard way. Maybe because she had been the victim of some harsh and difficult treatment. Because oftentimes people who are unkind out in public are very unkind to people in private. Verse 21. David and his men, by the way, they're on their horses, they're riding down, and they're mad, and they're going to defend their honor. Verse 21, now David had said, surely in vain. So here, here comes, you know, when we talk to ourselves through conflict, we're just angry. Surely, surely in vain I have guarded all of this fellow. He doesn't even call him by his name. Has in, it has in the wilderness so that nothing was, was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has, ret and he has returned me evil for good. See, that's when we want to retaliate, right? When we feel like I've done good to you and all you've done is bad to me. All you, uh, you've returned evil for good. God, do so to the enemies of David's more also. If by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. So we get it, right? David is not a happy camper. And so they're, they're coming over the, the hill. And so I have trouble saying that word. That's H-I-L-L, -L, okay? Hill. I think that's it. It's close. Okay, right? I know I talk Texan, and you guys may not like it, but in heaven we'll all be talking Texan, so get used to it. <laughs> so they're coming over the hill, and, and there, there is Abigail, and she's set, she set up like a roadside park. And so she has set up a roadside park, and, and they're bearing down on, her, on, 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 on Nabal, and they're mad, and they see this sign that says, all you can eat for free. And so they, they smell the green chilies roasting. They realize they got sloppers. You know, they've got, they've got pizza, and, like, they can smell it. And so David's like, men, let's take a break. We're hungry. Verse 23. And we stop right there, and this isn't a blank, but this, this is so important. Kindness begins in the way you talk. And I'm telling kindness begins in the way that you talk to one another. You're going to see that, verse 23. When Abigail saw, saw David, she hurried and, and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to, to the ground. And remember, put yourself in this story. She's bowing down to the man that says, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill your husband. I'm going to kill all of your workers. And I'm going to... Uh, there's not going to be one male laugh standing when we're done. She fell at his feet and said, oh, oh, me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Words matter. And words are important. And when we get in conflict, listen, we have to watch our tone. We have to watch our voice. And you know what? Unfortunately, we have to watch our facial actions, right? Raised eyebrows, a look, can communicate something, something. And I know it's frustrating for some people. I get that. It's been frustrating for me that someone says, I know you're mad. I'm not mad. Yeah, you are. I saw, I saw the look. I saw the twitch. I saw the breathing. I, I, you're mad. I'm, I'm not mad. And you, you know that, right? And then you argue over whether you're mad or not. And so, But listen, kind, kindness starts with tone, with words. And sometimes we communicate more with facial actions. Just what people that communicate tell us than we do with, with words. And so tone matters. That's why pro and words matter. This is why Proverbs says a soft answer turns away wrath. Harsh words, what he, Proverbs says, stirs up angers. I mean, I'm just telling you, divorce, enemies, broken relationships, 
wars have all been started over war words. Words matter. Words are important. Verse 28, please forgive the trespasses. So she's still talking of your servant. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Because my Lord is fighting these battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you shall live. You know what Abigail is saying? Because she's smart, she's intelligent, and she's kind. She says, David, don't do this. I know you've already been anointed king. He's not worth it. Why, why would you want to do such a thing and this be on your conscience? When, when, when this is made public, when this gets out, in every debate, in every conversation, you're going to have to defend this. Be a man of honor. In every conflict, somebody has to be the bigger person. Or less conflict never ceases. Somebody has to go first. A lot of times in relationships, we argue over who's going to go first. And it's like this standoff. But somebody has to be the bigger person. Somebody has to go first. Listen, let me just tell you this. Circumstances don't create the condition of the heart. Rather, circumstances reveal. Just what Jesus said, circumstances reveal the condition of the heart. Your words reveal the condition of the heart. Verse 32, so David said to Abigail, Blessed be the, the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. In other words, David sent, accepted her gift, accepted her words of wisdom, and she sent her back to her husband Nabal. So she goes back to Nabal. When Nabal's drunk, in fact is Nabal is so drunk, he's like incoherent. And so Abigail realizes, she'd seen it before, and so Abigail realizes, you know what, I'm going to have to wait until the man sobers up to let him know what happened. So Abigail waits till the next morning, verse 37. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Abigail is now a widow. And then crazy thing happens. David gets word that Abigail is a widow. And so David had fallen in love, so he asked Abigail to marry him. Verse 41. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. Isn't that romantic? <laughs> kind of makes me feel better about my non-romantic proposal to my wife. <laughs> Verse 42. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David, and she became his wife. Now, ladies, let, let me just stop you, because you guys are much better at narratives than men. 
you, you understand a story, you can place yourself in the story, and you're, you're much better, you're, you're more insightful than us, you know, and, and so I just want to caution you of already developing uh, the point of the story. The point of the story is not, if your husband is a jerk to you, make a meal for another man and God will strike your husband dead. That... <laughs> That is not the point. <laughs> okay? So that's not the point. So let, let, let's grab three things. We're going to take communion together. Let's grab three things uh, if we're going to learn to be kind. Because I'm telling you, this issue of kindness is something that is learned. It is something that is, that is developed. It doesn't come natural to any of us. First thing is this. If we're going to learn to be kind, I must be, must be perceptive of myself and others. I must be perceptive of myself and others. There's sometimes, if you're like me, I want to look at someone and say, you know what, that is like the rudest thing you could have ever said to me. I can't say that because I'm a pastor and I'm paid to be sweet. And so, uh, so I just kind of look at them. And so, but, but haven't you ever wanted to come to that place? And then you start thinking, you know what, they obviously do not even have a perspective of themselves or of others, what you're carrying, or the hurt, the pain, or the pain that they're causing. I mean, Abigail is under a lot of stress. Her husband is difficult. She's in a crisis. David is threatening to kill her, her husband, and the family. Listen, it wasn't a time for panic, but it's, listen, it's a test of kindness. I believe this. I believe we go through tests of kindness every week. Sometimes we go through a test of kindness every day. And so, there's, listen, there are a lot of people out there that can be kind to you, right? When everything's going their way, they're getting the promotions, the job's going good, they're getting the raises, they're going on the vacation, the economy, all of that other stuff. But all of a sudden, they get under stress. All of a sudden, they get under pressure. And it's like kindness is out the window. And it's like something flips, and all of a sudden they begin to get short with people. They shout, they scream, they may swear, they write nasty emails, nasty text messages, uh, Facebook's post, and all of this. Listen, a test of rudeness, just telling you, is when you and I are under stress. So how do you handle it? How do you handle it when you're under stress? How do you handle it when the auditor shows up and, and wants to audit your tax records? How do you handle it when the finances are low? You, you climb through the, the, the check register, the checkbook, trying to find someone to blame, see whose fault it is. How do, how do, you, how do you handle it? How do you handle it when an appliance goes out? Uh, here a while back, that just happened just a couple of weeks, a week ago. Uh, the, the washing machine went out, and so I, I, I figured out the part that was needed, and I went online to order the part, and, but I couldn't figure, it, couldn't figure their website out. And so and I didn't have, I'm like, I don't have time for this. And so I go down to the store, and had, now I have to talk to a person. And so I go down, go down the store, and so they're pulling it up, you know, and they're looking for the part, and it was a good salesman. And, and so, you know, he was trying to be nice, and so he's like trying to visit with me. But I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm not totally rude, but I am letting him know just order my part and let me get out. I, I don't want to visit. I, I do not want to visit. And I know you think, that's horrible. You're like a pastor. And so, um, and so, well, and, and so I just kept, yep, nope, yep, you, you know, and I'm just cutting him off. And so finally he looks at me and says, so, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I said, I'm a pastor. He goes, really? Oh, yeah. He goes, what church? I'm like, First Baptist. I'm a Baptist. <laughs> I, no, I told him. I, then I says, no. <laughs> I said, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm Fellowship of the Rockies. I'm not. Listen, I, I'm having a, I, you know, there's no excuse. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So he ordered my part, and 
as I'm leaving, I said, so, would it help if I invited you to my church? So, if you're here this morning and you're the guy I talked to, God bless you. Thanks for coming anyway. And so, uh, listen, one of the things that impressed me about Jesus is he was kind in the most stressful moments of his life. The fact is, you can never find a place where he's unkind. One of the most stressful moments of his life, he washed the disciples' feet. He was patient with them at the Garden of Gethsemane when they wouldn't pray with him. He healed a soldier's ear that came to arrest him. He was kind to his mother at the cross and made sure she was taken care of. He was kind to his enemies. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Abigail was so perceptive when she was notified that David's men were on the march. She did not let her emotions control the situation she didn't say you know what Nabal's finally going to get what he deserves I hope David takes care of this she got involved perception is the ability to accurately see the big picture the ability to see life from the viewpoint of others Listen, can I just tell you this you never know what someone else is carrying And that a kind word can be water on dry ground, even from a stranger. Perception in its highest form is the ability to see life the way God sees life. It's anticipating the future. And we've all been guilty, right? We've all been guilty of saying some unkind, rude things. But the Scripture says that we should be becoming more kind. 2 Peter 1.5 uh, says again, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be more effective in ministry and life? Learn to be kind to that server, that person helping you at the repair center, that person that you work with, that person that you live with. If you're guilty of constantly steamrolling over other people's feelings and emotions, then pray for perception. You can see it from another person's perspective. Second thing to learn to be kind is this. I must remain humble in stressful situations. Abigail was intelligent and she was beautiful and she was wealthy and she was talented. She was never too arrogant and proud to bow down on her face before David. She didn't look down her nose and let other people know that she was just somehow more sophisticated, intelligent, or successful than them. Many times, if we're honest, it is our ego that keeps us from being nice to people. See, immaturity will tell I'm just telling you, spiritual immaturity will, will speak to you and it will tell you that it is it's degrading and not to your benefit to be kind to someone who has hurt you. To be kind to someone who you feel is like beneath your level of sophistication. To be kind to someone that you feel like has returned evil for good. 
And Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, but, but he got down and washed the disciples' feet. Jesus is the one that says, the greatest among you is the one that will be, is the one that will be servant of all. To where we understand that, you know what? I'm just to be kind. And I'll let God handle the outcome. The third and the last thing is this. If we're learning to be kind means I must act in kindness in conflict. I must act in kindness in, in conflict. Abigail's perception and humility in the time of conflict moved her to act. She cooked. She worked. She went out to meet David. I mean, can you imagine the courage that it took for her to go out and greet the man that was coming to kill her, her family, her husband, all that they had owned? She did not know. She did not know how he would react. Listen, it's, I'm, I'm just telling you, it is not enough to be kind to people just verbally. But it also takes expression. Sometimes the smallest, sometimes the smallest good deed is worth more than good intentions, right? And God, God wants us to do something with that kindness. God wants us to, to act. Listen, a little effort in kindness to someone can change a situation, can change the climate and the attitude of a home. Abigail's perception and humility and actions resulted in a resolution of a conflict without the loss of lives or party. Listen, I'm just wondering. How many of the conflicts that you're struggling with right now in your home, in your relationship, in your occupations could be resolved without some dramatic showdown and without some dramatic confrontation? Just some kind words. Just some kind deeds. And that takes humility and that takes action. That's why the Bible says, be kind to one another and that we remember the kindness that Christ had for us and Simon Peter would say the reason we're unkind is we have forgotten that we have been forgiven of our sins that's why communion is just so important our servers are going to make their way to the back as we get ready to take communion and I, I just want us to remember in fact is that, that's the mark that's one of the important things of communion the communion is a time when we remember that God has totally and completely forgiven us. And many times, many times when we are unkind, what Simon Peter says, we have forgotten that we're totally and completely forgiven. We have forgotten the grace of God that He has extended in our lives. And as a result of that, we should be kind to one another. See, communion is critical for the local church because when it's, it's when we, we gather together and we remember we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of the same family. And God doesn't like it when His children fight. And God doesn't like it when His children argue. Fact is, Simon Peter says, uh, uh, Paul says this in, in Corinthians, that before we take of the bread, before we take of the juice, that we need to examine our lives. You know the reason He wants us to examine our lives? When you look at that and how they carried this ordinance out in the early church, he said, examine your life to see how you're contributing to the body of Christ. To see how you're ministering to each other. And that you're, are you being kind?
Have you forgotten what I have done for you? So would you just sit before him as the servers are passing out the bread and the juice? There's two cups, one on top of the other. You take both cups, hold them there in place. In a few moments, we'll take together as a church family. Listen, our, we practice open communion here, which simply means this. You don't have to be a member of Fellowship of the Rockies to take communion, but you do have to meet the biblical requirements, which is this, that you're a believer in Christ. So if that's you this morning, even if this is your first weekend, join with us. And in just a few minutes, we'll take of the bread and take of the juice together. Before we take of the bread, this is what the scripture says. Paul is writing, he says, For I re received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that their Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is, this is my body, which is, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me why is it so important to remember the cross because it was on the cross where our sins were atoned for were forgiven it reminds us that you know what we're totally and completely forgiven even that person you're in conflict with even that person that is rude to you even that person that you disagree with If they're in Christ, they're still your brother and sister in Christ. And we can never be kind and we can never be gracious if we forget, forget that when we had turned our backs on Him, when we were rude to Him, while we were still sinners, God sent His Son into the world to die for us for the forgiveness of our sins that's why this time is so important that's why this time is so important to join together as believers and just remember who we are and what he's done would you take of the bread with me scripture goes on and says in the same way 
also Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is a new covenant in my blood. And do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it's also a forward look. It's a backward look and it's a forward look. And it's a forward look for us to realize one day we're all going to gather around the throne. Listen, life is precious, not promised. And the relationships and the people around you is precious. But the day is coming where the believers in Christ will all gather around the throne and it will be the Lord Jesus Christ that will administer this time when we'll see him face to face. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for your blood on the cross, for it for the forgiveness of our sins for without it there'd be no forgiveness of sin and thank you that you are the perfect sacrifice and so Father since we've been cleansed and since we've been forgiven may we never forget that and Father because of what we have in you may it just cause us to treat people different treat people with kindness Father we love you and we thank you for loving us. For we ask these saints in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take with me, please?